0: Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions, 512 836 0590.
1: back gardeners or welcome to or welcome back to gardening naturally hot day very very hot day so lots of water cover up get out early get out there early and uh, work when it's cool if you can work when it's cool there shouldn't be a lot of things that need to be done as in there shouldn't be a lot of heavy physical labor now weeding of course is a forever job but you should be able to do this during the cooler weather after watering, all the weeds should come out of the garden much easier. But do that early or stay up late, go out at night. Got one of those headlamps, you know, battery powered lights that you put on your head. I know people who are out there gardening with one of those on, um, but protect yourself from this heat. It is really, really unbearable. Um, we don't need to risk ourselves right now. You should not be top dressing your your, uh, lawn, your turf grasses with compost. Now it's way too hot for it. You can wind up with burnt spots on your turf. It is okay to put compost around trees in a flower bed in your garden but in this heat do not apply it to your turf grass that is just not beneficial you'll wind up with brown patches from it burning you can be doing things like applying seaweed solution Fuller feeding a seaweed is fast hose-end sprayer, that's all you need. Wet the plants down well with the seaweed solution. Early in the morning, let it dry off, and they will begin to take that up. And seaweed is one of the best things you can apply when it's this kind of heat. It is, it is hot out. I've got a, uh, I've got a beautiful vine that makes flowers that are normally an inch and a half tall, almost two inches, and they hang upside down and are purple. They're gorgeous. Right now I'm lucky to get any flowers. And if it forms a flower, it's about half its normal size, a direct result of the heat. My roses are still blooming, thankfully, but their blooms are not quite as big. I have plants like um, pincushion flowers, scabiosa. It's still blooming, but nowhere near as heavy as it was during the cooler weather. Apply that to almost any flower you have growing in your yard right now. Now, my lantana is going nuts. That's the That's the polite thing to say about it. I can't believe how much it's grown and bloomed in this heat. I also have um, Mexican honeysuckle, which is a beautiful, beautiful little orange tubular flower. It's doing great. My Pavonia rock rose, always covered with flowers every single morning, just nothing but pink on it looking good in this heat. So what you can do is either you can work really hard to keep something healthy and happy during this weather, or you plant plants that are native for this, that are ready for this high heat esperanzas are probably going crazy right now i know that my uh mexican honeysuckle my almond verbena blooming like like crazy it looks and smells so nice bees love it i've got roses are performing they're not doing their absolute best but they're still looking good, still putting on smaller but beautiful blooms, so that's doing okay. Um, I talked about my beauty berry last hour. I have a beauty berry, oh it's about eight foot tall, maybe eight foot around. I keep it I keep it trimmed. And it is blooming, this little fine pink flower that you gotta kinda look for. And they're very attractive, but right now they're absolutely covered with bees. I mean, the whole plant is buzzing. So I have this gorgeous flower that does very well in our heat, and it also is great for our pollinators. That's, that's one of the goals you should be looking at for what you do put in your garden. Now... I have tomatoes growing right now and I say they're growing. I didn't say they were making tomatoes. That's part of the problem. They have some tomatoes still on the vine that haven't turned red yet. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave them until they do, but I know I'm not getting any more fruit. I'm getting flowers and they fall right off in this heat. So as soon as I get, all of the tomatoes pulled, as ripe as I want them to be, as red as I want them to be, and I pull them off of the plant, it will be time to cut back my tomatoes. The varieties I have are indeterminate, meaning they will produce and produce and produce. Not in this heat, but in cool weather, they'll come back. So I'm going to cut them in half, maybe more than that. I want to leave plenty of green on them. I want growing green leaves on them, but I'm gonna cut it back hard. Then I'm gonna treat it normal. I'm gonna make sure it gets the water it needs, the fertilizer it needs, and I'm gonna try to care for it through the summer till we get back to cooler nighttime temperatures. Remember, it's not the heat of the day. It's the heat of the night that sets these plants back. As soon as we can drop to 70 or below for a nighttime high, you will see the tomatoes will start setting fruit again. But uh, I don't know how long it's gonna be before we get down to that temperature at night. With this heat dome we have on us, it, it may be months. Well, that's okay. I'll trim the plants back heavily I'll still take care of them, and I'll let them grow back up to be big plants again. They'll have huge root mass. They'll look really good, and in the fall, they're going to surprise me and put on lots and lots of tomatoes. But right now, I'm just struggling to keep them alive. They get water, they get fertilizer, that's about it. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. I'll be right back.
0: This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590.
1: Hey, welcome back, gardeners. Dealing with the heat. What are the crops that we could have in the garden to deal with this heat right now? Well, there's not really a lot of them okra thrives in this weather still needs water but it can handle the heat that we're dealing with now there are peppers that can do well in this heat particularly the hot peppers you can try eggplant if you can either if you can find a start would be best but if not you can plant seed and transplant it to your garden Once it's of a decent size and it could still produce watermelons. Yeah, you could get a watermelon in the ground coming up on the 4th of July. On the 4th of July, it's a great day to plant pumpkins. Well, that's silly. What's pumpkins and 4th of July got to do? Pumpkins need 90 to 100 days to mature. If you plant on the 4th of July, you will get pumpkins around Halloween. Or you can get pumpkins to make pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving. So it's a good time to approach some seed planting in your garden. There are seeds that you could start now. Melons will work. Melons will work. Um, Regardless of the kind of melon that you have, the high heat causes the plant to make lots of sugars, which makes them nice and sweet. Gotta tell you, folks, nothing better than going out to the garden, picking a cantaloupe that's ripe, cutting it open, and chewing into it right then and there. It is sweet, it is warm, it smells fantastic. It is very, very good. So there are things that we can plant and that will grow in this heat. They still need attention for water, but uh, they'll, they'll produce a crop for you in this weather. Let's go to the phone. This is James. James, what can I help you with? Hello, James.
2: June the 15th. And uh, they're up in the seedling trays. I got them in morning shade. I mean, morning, sun, afternoon, shade. They're looking pretty good. The wind's blowing them around. Um, I got a question about uh, commercial tomatoes and the sauces that we buy at the store. Um, I got some drums that few weeks ago, metal drums and they were tomato drums. So that tells me that the commercial guys uh, sell that uh, tomato puree to the salsa makers and drums. But my question is, do they mechanically harvest most of the processing tomatoes
1: or are they allowed to get ripe? Um, You know, that's a really good question. You know when they tell you vine-ripened tomatoes and they sell you those tomatoes that are on the vine and they're all equally red? Well, that's a trick. They harvest that bract of tomatoes when they're super green and they put them in a warehouse where they release ethylene gas, which causes them to turn red. So, yeah, they're on the vine, And they're all red, but they didn't grow red on the vine. And when it comes to mechanically harvesting the tomatoes, there are machines and ways to do that. It's a particular, there are particular series of tomatoes that are hybridized strictly for the purpose of being able to handle the wear and tear of being picked by a machine. The first so tomato that. Are, those are designed for
2: uh, harvesting and they're not designed for any kind of flavor at all, right?
1: Well, they try to make them more flavorful, but they don't tend to match the varieties that can't be mechanically harvested. Uh, the Wisconsin 55, a tomato that was developed in 1955 is one of the first that could handle being mechanically harvested, where the loss from that mechanical harvesting was um, less than the profit that was made from, you know, not needing as much labor. So if you want
2: a good taste in salsa or marinara sauce, you're going to have to grow your own um, plum tomatoes and harvest them when they're ready is kind of what I'm getting at. Uh, Yeah, there's nothing out there that that you can buy in a jar that's any good.
1: Well, for the most part, you're correct. But it also is part of how you do it. Because if you can roast the tomatoes, that makes them taste better. That gives them a better flavor. So it can be a terrible tomato. It's all the other things that you do to make salsa. But when they make Gallons and gallons and gallons of salsa. They are harvesting tomatoes that can be mechanically harvested, and they're throwing them into a bin to bring them in to get crushed and things like that, that they're, you know, they're crushing each other. They would bruise any other time, but they're just posting them in the sauce and letting them go. But you're right, nothing better than making your own. Yeah, I think I'm going to put in a a row of uh, some uh, aromas
2: next year, just just for salsa and marinara sauce. But I had a question for you, Jeff. Uh, I didn't have any bees at all this year in the garden. I had a 60-foot row row of cantaloupe, and I didn't make one cantaloupe off of that row. Those vines... uh, we're uh, six foot on each side of the row and flowering is, is it the neonicotinoids in the, in the seed treatment for the GMO corn around here that's
1: killing the bees? Uh, no, no, there, they are having, um, a disease that affects the bees, a disease, not a chemical. And they also have a mite that has really been horrid that affects the bees. Um, It's difficult to rid yourself of, so it it can limit the bee size. I know they've made arguments that they show that the honeybee population is half of what it's been over the years. The problem is honeybees aren't the only pollinator. There's five or six native bees in Texas, and they're big pollinators. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I can't figure out why I didn't even get one cantaloupe,
2: and those vines were, gosh, 10, 12 foot across and in good shape on drip irrigation, and I didn't get one cantaloupe off the 60-foot row so. Uh, I, I plant cilantro for, uh, I let it go to flower, Uh, at the garden, and there was plenty of uh, little bugs flying around on it, but I only counted about three honeybees all the time I walked up and down those rows. So I don't know what's going on. Uh, I, I can't even grow cantaloupes over here.
1: One thing you can try to help narrow it down, hand pollinate one plant. Make sure that you got one plant that you know was properly pollinated. Only takes a minute, only takes a minute, and it can tell you, yeah, everything was right. I pollinated this plant. Apparently, the other plants weren't getting pollinated. So that would be the only test I could think of that would give you a better indication of what was going on. Okay, so what's the solution? Do I need to
2: buy some packaged bees and install them in hives? or is...
1: That's never yep. a bad choice, but it can be a lot of work. And it can be very disappointing if you buy packaged bees and get everything set up and go, okay, there we go, I can go with these bees and you get this mite issue. Or you get the disease that affects the bees. So that can be kind of heartbreaking you're talking about if you're lucky and you want to do the most minimal hive it's also a cost you're probably going to be out 500 bucks at least to set up one good hive uh get a bee suit things like that yeah i uh, when i had my nephew to help me over here at the farm i
2: had uh fifteen or twenty uh hives. I've got all the equipment back in the shed. It's just I don't have any help and I've I've kind of relied on the bees that have been around. Uh I haven't kept bees for ten fifteen years. I have everything it takes to do it though.
1: Well, try one hive. Can't hurt.
2: Got I gotta to do something, man. I can't even make a candle open. I I tell everybody I'm a gardener.
1: Uh, so I gotta do something. Well, keeping bees helps. That makes sure you have pollinators available. Like I said, it can be some work. Number two, next season, the minute you get a male flower and there's a fruiting female flower, you do the pollinating. On one plant, just to see... If there's a relationship, you pollinate and it makes a cantaloupe, but nobody else makes a cantaloupe, that's telling you that you need to address a pollinator problem. Yeah, we've got bees on the other farm, and
2: we made uh, cantaloupes with the same variety and the same transplants. So I've got it pretty much narrowed down to no pollinators over here.
1: Could be. Could be. And the only thing you can do about it is, put out as many flowers as you can to try to draw them in. Um, the cilantro I planted in like 100 foot rows at different
2: about every two weeks in the spring and it flowers at different times and it's, it's just covered up with with, uh, with flying insects. I'm sure some of them are beneficial.
1: Probably. James, um, I'm at the bottom of the hour. I need to break for the news. Thanks for the call. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We'll be right back.
0: This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590.
1: Well, welcome back, everybody. <clears throat> We're uh, dealing with the heat. And it is just something that I sure hope someday we get a break from. Let's go to the phone. This is Eileen. What can I help you with? Yes, good morning. Thank you. Um,
3: <clears throat> I planted two and I call them Vitech or VTech shrubs slash trees in my yard. It's uh past fall and they're doing wonderful. But I realized <laughs> That they get very big, and um, I don't really have a large area. It's just a small plot here in Sun City, and I'd like to know if there's any way to uh, shape them and keep them from growing huge.
1: Yes and no, okay? (laughs) Yes, you can spend lots and lots of time. Um, You may have to go out every two weeks and trim off new growth to keep them shaped the way that you want. The shorter answer is, if that is too much work, you want to remove them as soon as you can because they'll set down really strong roots and you can cut the plant flush to the ground and you'll still get shoots coming up from the vitex trying to grow. So you've got a catch-22 here. Lots of work, always out there trimming it, but if you get tired of the trimming it, it's going to be really hard to get rid of. You're going to have to cut it down and and take care of shoots that will be coming up for years.
3: <laughs> I thought I was doing the right thing when I planted those. Um, if I if I continue to cut those shoots while the plant is still small, it's only about three feet tall, maybe four feet, and maybe three or four um <clears throat> around. If I continue to cut it whenever I see new shoots, I mean, does that seem as though it's reasonable and not going to be a, a big problem? Or they have so many shoots that it will become hard to hard to handle?
1: They have a lot of shoots. They start off small, so you can usually get rid of them with just a set of pruners. And mm-hmm. you may be able to keep up with it, and keep it controlled to the size that you want but it is never going to stay three feet three foot tall it's no i I, there's one growing by me that's got to be 15 feet tall or taller
3: yes yeah i i I, I don't mind tall if i can keep it from spreading out to you know eight or nine feet in circumference i don't want that
1: you may be able to do that yeah you may (laughs) be able to do that Always cut off the stuff that's not growing up. If it's starting to grow out and trying to spread on you, remove that so you can keep it relatively contained.
3: Okay. I will work hard at that because I do think it's beautiful and it's just proper in the area. It just cannot get carried. Well, I thank you so much, and I thank you,
1: Graham. Thanks for the call, Eileen. Yeah, folks with Vitex, They're great for bees, butterflies, and I even have hummingbirds in them. So they're cool plants, but they're not a small plant. And once they've established, they are very hard to get rid of. Cutting them flush is not going to kill them. They're going to send up shoots for years. Let's go to the phone. This is Mike. Mike, what can I help you with? Hello, Hello. Mike. Hello, There we go. I can hear you now. All right. Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for my, thanks for taking
4: my call. What you got? Uh, I planted a couple of mountain laurels last year, uh, around March or April of last year, and they were pretty good size. I think they were like a 35 uh, or 45 gallon. If that sounds right, uh, containers, uh, One ahead and uh, I don't know if the freeze affected them, but one is looking pretty good. The other one is looking a little sick. So I don't know exactly. I heard that you're not supposed to really fertilize them. Uh, I put some Garrett juice on there a couple of weeks ago. Uh, But like I said, I don't know exactly what the problem is, if it's a freeze that affected them or just the heat or what.
1: Um. I lost, well, I thought I lost one to the freeze and cut off all the dead, wound up cutting it flush to the ground, and it came back. I mean, it just kept going and kept growing. Cut off anything that's dead or looking really poorly, and uh, seaweed solution is probably the best addition you can provide for the plant, whether you drench the soil or you spray it on and foliar feed it. Okay. Also, how often are you watering them?
4: Uh, probably maybe once a week, maybe. Uh, maybe not that often. That's I do good. water them pretty deep, but, you know.
1: No, that's good. Um, Too many people plant them and think, oh, I I need to water them every other day or I need to water them, you know, all the time. No, I have never provided supplemental water to my mountain laurels, never. And they're growing wonderfully. They look great. I have to treat every once in a while because of that dang worm that chews them down but the the plants themselves are incredibly drought tolerant so once a week or less is probably good especially if you're giving them a good deep soaking and letting them dry before you water them again but uh, trim out the ugly of the one that's not doing very well Uh, seaweed solution on both of them whether it's foliar feed or you're going to drench them, five-gallon bucket of water and seaweeds, that will help, and it's not a big fertilizer. You don't have to worry about over-fertilizing them. That should help them
4: recover. How often do I put that seaweed solution on there?
1: Well, right now, um, you can do that every two weeks, but you'll probably work your way out to about once a month.
4: Okay. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate the help, Jeff. Thanks for the call, Mike. Thank you.
1: Bye-bye. Yeah, folks. Mountain laurels are native plants that are found in the Canyon lands growing just on their own. They don't need incredible amounts of water. You can hurt one by giving it too much water. If you have an established mountain laurel two or three years in the ground, it will be rare for you to have to water it. I have a neighbor who owns a piece of property next to his house, and he has mountain laurels on it. And I guarantee you, he does nothing to them. They're lucky to get mowed around, and they are beautiful and big and strong and doing just fine. Mountain laurels are a great Texas plant if you want color and low maintenance and uh, wanna try to save on the water. Folks, I gotta take a break. Andy, I see you there. If you hang on, I'll be right back.
0: This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at (laughs) 512-836-0590.
4: Welcome
1: back, folks. Hot, hot, hot. Is it ever... Is it ever gonna quit? Hopefully. Hopefully. We will get a break here someday soon. Let's go to the phone.
5: This is Andy. Andy, what can I help you with? Uh, Top of the morning to you. And uh, enjoy the program as always. Uh, good information i have two questions first one is uh is on uh, a <clears throat> excuse me olive trees um at one of the major grocery stores they have uh, a couple of olive trees marked down uh, on sale <clears throat> not too much though uh, i think it's maybe 10 gallon for a hundred something bucks but uh <clears throat> are there other trees that are native for this part of texas that survive freezes uh because i was kind of interested in getting one a couple couple of them and then and then the the next question again sir is i know it's too hot to plant right now but uh you know i'd get it and stick it and drag it in the house if i had to for the winter second question again is on crepe on uh <clears throat> on uh <clears throat> The, uh, the tree you were just talking about a minute ago, I'm still trying to wake up. The Vitex? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me? The Vitex tree? N- no, sir. The, uh, um... oh, we'll just go back to the first question. Maybe I'll think about it again. Uh, okay. The, uh... <clears throat> but yes, sir, on the, the olive trees, excuse me.
1: There are a variety of olives. I would not call them native the missions in San Antonio grew olives and they managed here and they were able to have them. There is a couple of varieties of olives here in Texas. The one that comes to mind first is called Arbaquina, A, uh, A R B Q. It has uh, a good olive. It can be self-fertile, and it does pretty good in the cold weather. They still freeze, so really bad weather is a problem. It can grow in a container. It needs to be a pretty healthy-sized container. It gets to be about 15 feet, and it's a very beautiful tree. It sh- could produce fruit for you there is actually a uh, the Texas Olive Oil Ranch where they have thousands. Yeah, I think they've got a couple of thousand olive trees that have been growing here for years. They, they put them all in, then you can get olive oil that were pressed from those trees. Now, you can't press olive oil. I mean... It's not physically impossible, but you need a lot of equipment, and it's a lot of work. You need quite a few olives to produce any oil at all. But the olives can be brined, and they'll be delicious. You make the brine whatever flavor you want, garlic, onion, whatever, and you will have olives that you can eat. You have to brine them. You can't eat them off of the plant. They are terrible. (laughs) But there are varieties of olives that do grow here and can handle our freezes, and they do handle the heat. That is not too unusual of a price for an olive tree if it's a 10-gallon one. They are not inexpensive to get, whether it's at, a big box store or a nursery but they will grow here and there's a lot of varieties the arbukina is self-fertile some of the other ones that you would grow here uh need a pollinator so
5: you'd have to grow two awesome uh thank you for that info oh Mountain laurel <laughs> um yes so i have one that uh <clears throat> I had installed two, two years back and it's taken off. It's doing well. Haven't been watering it. It's beautiful. The birds just love it. Uh, the thing is, uh, I always see people, uh, where they trim them from the ground up, I guess trying to make them look like an oak or something. Uh, do I just leave it alone? Do I need to thin it out from the bottom? So it gets air. Uh, that's my only question. You
1: know, I don't do that to mine. They're multi-trunk You can get more than one trunk And I let the leaves grow All the way to the ground I don't trim it up You can if you would like If you want that kind of Crepe myrtle look Where you trim it up So you can see the bark and branch And then it starts with the leaves And grows up from there I just let it go I don't go to the trouble Of trimming it underneath And it's Minus done fine. It can handle some trimming if you want a certain type of appearance, but you don't need to trim up from the bottom like that. Okay. Thank you. You bet. Good luck with it, Andy. Thank you, sir. Thanks for the call. Yeah, folks. Um, you do not have to trim crepe myrtles from the bottom so that they have branches on them. A lot of the shorter crepe myrtle varieties, they just grow as a bush. If you want to make them show their ankles, show you the the trunk at the bottom, and uh, crepe myrtle trunks, they'll peel off and leave this beautiful cinnamon bare bark. Uh, It will do very, very well you can do that with mountain laurels you can trim them up so they show the trunks that are there i get people that ask that about their loquats again you can do this you can do this but i just let them grow it's just more green growth for more leaves to take in energy uh, occasionally somebody will ask about a fig. They want a single-trunk fig. No. Figs are tr- are called trees, but they're more like an unruly shrub, especially when they're small. There's leaves everywhere. There's you, you really don't see a lot of the branches when you're looking at one, and that's okay. Do you want to trim them up like that? Well, remember, when you cut a fig, figs form on new wood. So if you're cutting off new wood, well, you're you're cutting away figs. But those kind of plants, it's an either or. It's kind of up to you. Do you want them to look and show you their multiple trunks? Or do you just want all the green that they produce? And they can be beautiful and healthy either way. Got to emphasize on the, uh, the mountain laurels, though. Once those puppies are established, I don't know that they need any water after that. I know that my mountain laurels, even during 2011, which we seem to be heading for a repeat, never got supplemental water. And they were big and beautiful and survived that weather. They were great. That's why there are such good trees here because they are beautiful and they don't require an incredible amount of care or water. Folks, this has been Gardening Naturally. Going to be a hot one today. Enjoy your day outside if you're going there. Otherwise, I will talk to you all next uh, Saturday at 9 a.m. Have a good weekend.